Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Investment News Podcast. We have a great one this week, even though we are missing Professor Jeff Benjamin. We do have two very special guests. We have Investment News' very own senior reporter, Mark Sheff, and a colleague at another part of our company, uh, the Bond Hill Publishing Empire, Emil Halle who is U.S. News Editor at our sister publication, ESG Clarity. Welcome, gentlemen. Mark, you're, you're, you're in Washington. What's going on? How are you? Well, thanks, Bruce, for, for having me back again. Uh, Washington is basically quiet uh, because uh, it's late August and the House and Senate are out. But you never know what might pop at the regulators. So uh, I'm keeping my eyes open. It seems like there's been an unusual amount of activity uh, and legislation coming out of Washington for a July and August session, right? There was the uh, the gun legislation that was passed. There was the tech, technology uh, bill that was passed. Right. There was the big Environmental Inflation Reduction Act that was passed. Mm-hmm. Am, am I just being naive, or is that, or, or what do you think about that? Is this an unusual session going on right now, or, or, or what? Usually these guys are campaigning, right? Because it is coming up to an election in November. They should all be out campaigning, but it seems like they're doing work. That, that's true. But one of the reasons why we had this flurry of activity in late July and early August is because of the upcoming campaign. The Biden administration is on a roll on Capitol Hill, as you said. Uh, the, the microchip legislation, the CHIPS bill was approved in a bipartisan fashion. The Inflation Reduction Act was approved with just Democratic support. And there have been other bills uh, that have gotten through Congress here this summer, just in time for for Democrats who who want to show that they're um, they're they're accomplishing something legislatively. That's added to the traffic, uh, or that's added to uncongesting, declogging the traffic, and and getting the bills through. So uh, we sometimes see this in in the summer. We see a, a rush to get things done right before fairly big recesses like like August, the summer recess, to try to get things done in late July, early August. And um, But like you said, Bruce, we're coming up to the midterm elections and the legislative process is pretty much going to grind to a halt uh, in October. Uh, there may be another rush in late September and then it'll grind to, the halt, grind to a halt. Americans will go to the to the polls, and then we'll have a lame duck session in December. Yeah, there's nothing like the fear and terror of not being reelected, I guess, to get... To, <laughs> for these guys to, have, to get some focus right and and right. get some and get some legislation passed um and emil we have you up in uh, maine uh out in the mushroom forests and, and all the other forests i always picture you kind of in a pixie land up there i i have been known to to wander through the woods looking for mushrooms <laughs> uh i am an amateur mushroom collector and it is great fun but it's been um I want to say it's been a little bit of a dry year, so I'm still waiting for uh, a lot of the fungi to make an appearance. So hopefully the fall will be good. So, Emil, you need a lot of rain for these mushrooms to grow, is what you're telling um, me. You know, generally, they they like it. Uh, I don't want to make any, any generalizations about um, all of the different mushroom species <laughs> out there, uh, because some of them do better when it's a little bit drier. But yeah, generally, they like water. And um they don't necessarily like it super hot either. So I actually look forward to the fall a lot for mushroom harvesting up here. Yeah, fantastic. I know, obvi- obviously, I know nothing about agriculture or, or, or any of that kind of green, having a green thumb, as they say. 
And making that transition, having a green thumb into our topic for this week, is ESG. To me, it's incredible just to as a topic, standing alone, how, how much attention ESG does get in our industry right now. There seems to have been some recent developments with the SEC about rule proposals and ESG. There seems to be people waiting for the Department of Labor, uh, as we were chatting about a little bit before, uh, to come to some kind of decisions about ESG. And there also seems to be, at least with certain states, with Florida and Texas and maybe some others, some backlash against ESG and investing and um, kind of in this, I think, kind of a ridiculous paradigm, pushing it into wokeness, whatever that means for people, uh, just kind of a broad swipe at liberalism, I think, you know, woke stuff and woke ESG. So it seems like the SEC and the Department of Labor are trying to get things done with ESG, but then the states are, um, and the people in charge in the states are, are pushing back against ESG fund managers. So this is all interesting, I think, for, for financial advisors and important for financial advisors too. Emil, you want to, what's, what's the anti-woke stuff that's going on with ESG right now, if you can, if you can talk about that? Of course. I've been paying a lot of attention to that. And I think it's, it's, it seems like it's no coincidence that all of this is really uh, heating up in an election year. It's become a political issue. Just a gut feeling, I bet that if you surveyed people about ESG a year ago and then compared that to results this year, a lot more people would, maybe they may not know exactly what ESG is, but they'd probably have an opinion about it. Um, it's something that the asset management world doesn't really view as a political topic, um, but it, it's one that's become really politicized in states like Texas and Florida, West Virginia, Arizona. Um, as you were alluding to, Texas just yesterday released um, basically what's a blacklist of several fund managers. They had 10 names on there, and then they included um, just under 350 U.S. mutual funds and ETFs that they say boycott the fossil fuel industry against a law that Texas passed in 2021. And the state pensions are not allowed to invest in it, like with those managers or in, or in those funds. So it has some but pretty these big, are some big These are some big money managers we're talking about. We're just not talking about Ma yeah. and Pa Kettle money managers. No, BlackRock, UBS. Right. And it, BlackRock has really been singled out for this, which is interesting because they're, you know, if you talk to folks who, who really play purely in the sustainable investing world, they don't look at BlackRock as an ESG manager. They, they have funds that have ESG on them. But even if you look at, say, their, their, um, their LifePath ESG, uh, their, their target date series, that includes quite a few fossil fuel holdings. I, I just looked at some of the underlying holdings for that, and it's got um, Philips 66 in there. It's got, I think it has ExxonMobil. I'd have to pull it up to take a look. But I, I just took a look at some of the, the underlying holdings of, of one of the, the ETFs that it holds, and it's, it's not fossil fuel free. But um, they've really taken a lot of the brunt uh, of this, this pushback against ESG. 
that that like I said has become politicized. And it's it's just kind of a weird time for this. Accusing BlackRock and UBS of somehow being anti all in capitalism it just seems absolutely ludicrous to me as a guy who's been writing about the you know brokerage and money management industry for over two decades. These guys are all in capitalists. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting because I think if you look at a couple of things, there are just a number of reasons why this this doesn't really make sense. Is that surveys have shown that most Americans acknowledge that climate change is real and think that it's happening. Only about ten percent of people say that they don't believe in it at all. There there's like fifteen percent of people who who say that they're not really sure about it. But most people say this is real, this is happening, and it's going to negatively affect the country and the world. And then you have investment managers who use this, the ESG criteria, to kind of vet investments, look at look at risk, look at opportunity, and that's purely financial. You know, if the if there if there is climate change, there are risks to what their holdings right. are, right. and how that'll affect the performance of their portfolios. So it's not that they're trying to get out there and, and necessarily make the world a better place. Th- these are businesses that are firmly in the business of making money. Right, and again, just as for, for the lay people. If there are any listening out there, ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance, right? So, Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Mark, what, what what is your take on this? Either from the 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 messaging by some Republican uh, led states here, or by what's happening in the SEC, or do you want to tackle one or go to or go to the other? Or what? Sure. It's not just the states. Republicans on Capitol Hill are also pushing back hard against ESG regulation. Uh, Republicans on the Senate Banking Committee and the House Financial Services Committee uh, have sent um, scathing letters to uh, SEC Chair Gary Gensler uh, about ESG, uh, telling the SEC essentially to back off because it's outside its realm of expertise, that environmental regulation should come from the EPA, not from the SEC. And they, uh, they stress that uh, ESG is uh, not necessarily material to, uh, to, to financial performances. And when it is, there are already materia, uh, companies are already required to disclose material factors affecting their performance. So the, um, the Republicans on Capitol Hill are, are also up in arms about this ESG push from the Biden administration. And, it have, and there's, there's also resistance on the commission itself from Hester Peirce. And I'm sure she'll be joined by the, uh, the new, uh, who is one GOP commissioner. And I'm sure she'll be joined by the other re- Republican commissioner in due, in due course, Mark uh, uh, Ueda in um, criticizing the SEC's efforts to increase ESG disclosures and enhance oversight of the way that funds and advisors market and um, execute ESG strategies. But I mean, isn't this just part of the free market? If you're a fund manager, you want to have an ESG fund so you can have a f- ESG fund. I'll, I'll let Emil tackle that one. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bruce. You have to. I had a question for Mark. I didn't quite catch that all. What is the the beef with ESG investing? It's just saying it's giving another alternative in the marketplace for investment advisors to recommend or to sell to their clients. So it's an investment strategy. I, I wouldn't pretend to know 
what's going on in politicians' heads. Right. Um, it seems like this is something that they could latch onto, and this is just my take on it. But if you like, people don't necessarily like change. They don't like to think that something that they've been doing for a really long time is bad, or that they should be criticized for that, or have to change. That's very true. If you true. have, if yes. you have a gas guzzling car, if you eat a lot of meat. You don't want to have to feel bad about that. You want someone who reinforces what you do, what your values are. Says, "Hey, you're fine. You know that you shouldn't have to change to to <laughs> because because the world is going woke." With, with funds and ETFs, this, like I said, this, these are fiduciary considerations. Um, I think that it, it's pretty hard to make the argument that. These are things that hurt investment returns because if you you know if you look at mutual fund prospectuses, many many funds, if not the majority of them, have some kind of language baked into the prospectus that says these are things we consider, even if it's very far from being an ESG fund or, or a sustainable fund. What did you want to ask, Mark Emil? Well, this is going back to the Inflation Protection Act, wasn't there? I heard something about a provision in there that redefined or defined greenhouse gases as pollution so that the EPA could, in fact, have justification in court for regulating levels. That's a detail of it I I haven't followed closely, although if that's the case, it, it, it seems that there would have been Republican criticism of it that I would have seen even even as a casual observer about that particular piece. As Emil said, the uh, this is going to become, or as he's alluding to, the um, the Supreme Court uh, in the uh, West Virginia case, whose name is escaping me now, where the court ruled that the EPA couldn't um, couldn't force energy plants to uh, to reduce their greenhouse emissions because they didn't get an explicit directive from Congress to do that. That could put all kinds of regulations in jeopardy. Uh, to adverse uh, legal rulings because uh, the um, under that um, decision there there has to be a uh, a direct mandate from from Congress to do it so uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there's language in the Inflation Reduction Act that, that touches on trying to give the EPA more latitude I'm just not certain of the details right I, I had heard that too and, and I want to go back to something that that Something I, I neglected to mention, I think that that is kind of critical to the arguments for and against ESG and investments. You know, some people like Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, have really criticized the financial services industry over proxy voting and using, you know, voting for shareholder right. resolutions that that right. might encourage because these things don't necessarily make corporations do anything. It just says, hey, this is what we as shareholders want you to do. You should do it or we're going to start voting to replace board members. But they don't they don't they, they say that this is just a way that the financial services world is, is hijacking people's voting rights at these companies and is somehow like anti-capitalist. Yeah, our guest we had on last week uh, was a, a strive. A, a, yeah, a guy yeah. launching a new bunch of ETFs, and that's basically his argument. I, I think a basic thing here is that people trust asset managers to manage their investments, and they include ESG considerations as part of that. Proxy voting is also part of that. You know, you want right. to trust the people who are managing your assets to right. pay attention to what companies should be doing so that they're more profitable. And who's on the board of the companies? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. all I was trying to say there. No, I think that's I think that's a, a, a very salient 
point to use an SAT word there. Uh, Mark, what is going on with the um, with the SEC uh, various rule proposals? There always seems to be more. I, I don't know how you do it and keep track of this stuff. Do you have like a giant spreadsheet on your living room wall there or something? I mean, how many rule what, – what's going on with rule – where – I thought there were already rule proposals that were completed, but you're saying that they're still in the middle of getting comment letters for certain rule proposals. So what are we waiting on? What's going on? In the case of the SEC – they have uh, received comments on uh, the climate disclosure proposal right. uh, uh, for public companies. And just last week received, or just last week, the deadline passed for comments on proposals having to do with uh, ESG disclosures by funds and advisors, and also for um, uh, the uh, proposal on fund names. That's the greenwashing proposal right, right. in shorthand. Emil actually uh, wrote the story about the, um, I, I believe, the, the comments on, on each of those proposals. And he can go into to more depth about what people are saying. But on the SEC, we are now waiting to see whether the SEC uh, modifies those proposals in some way. And then uh, we'll uh, we'll look for the final rule to come out. And it's hard to say exactly when the SEC will release a final right. rule. I'm thinking it won't be until next year on, on any of those three. We're also waiting on a final rule from the uh, DOL on um, the use of, uh, of ESG in, uh, in retirement plans. The... Um, the actual name of the proposal is is more uh, convoluted than that. It's uh, the uh, prudence in selecting investments. And Republicans don't want ESG funds in retirement plans. Well, they don't want they don't want retirement plans to select ESG funds uh, in a in a political way as a political decision. Uh, they um, they're stressing that um you know esg that 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 funds should only be investments should be selected solely on the basis of pecuniary factors that is factors that affect the 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 return uh the fund can generate however the the proponents for um for using esg investing in retirement plans uh, make uh, strong arguments that in fact esg is does is a pecuniary factor, and that ESG uh, produces better returns than uh, the non-ESG investing. Where was where was all the uproar when uh, you know in-house retirement plans were stuffed with proprietary funds that with which had crappy returns but made their own host that, managers lot of lots, of, lots, lots and lots of money. So well, where's the fiduciary the concern? There, Hold, let, let me get to Emil because you because you sure. po- you pointed to Emil as the as yeah. the guy who's been doing the work on this. It looks like you're slacking off again there, Mark Schiff Jr. <laughs> um, Emil, was there anything interesting in these comment letters um, this time around, or was it just the same old uh, kind of pablum uh, that you get? Um, the same old rhetoric. There's a lot to it, and there there were so many comments. I always struggle to summarize yeah, these things, course. the comment letter stories. And, but does anything stand out? Anything? You know, one thing I've been watching is how the SEC is going to treat what they're calling um, ESG integration funds or ESG integrated funds. These are products that they might have ESG in the name. It's unclear whether or not they'll ultimately be allowed to, but they 
you know, they, they kind of market themselves as, as including ESG factors kind of alongside investment decisions, but not necessarily more so than, than one thing or another. It's just kind of part of it. And it's possible that, you know, or one argument against that kind of classification is that a lot of funds that don't want to be considered ESG funds would fall into that category. Or that um, there might just be more stringent requirements on, right. on funds that are just, you know, trying to use ESG and, um, you know, because it's a fiduciary consideration um, and just making life more difficult from them. So, and, and I think that, you know, it's, it's a topic that the people in the sustainable investing world are kind of split on a little bit too. Should a fund be able to, to call itself ESG if that's only a very minor factor in, in how it, it manages its portfolio? How much ESGE do you have to be to actually be ESG, right? Yes, the ESG-ness. Yes. Mark, what, I'm sorry, what did you want to say? Well, the criticism of the SEC's ESG proposals actually is fairly wide-ranging. In, in, in fact, I was just noticing today on Twitter that Tyler Gellish, uh, who um, is executive director of the Healthy uh, Markets Association, and a, um, a former SEC counsel, or a former counsel to, to um, an SEC commissioner, a Democratic commissioner, said that based on his reading of the comments, the SEC should probably just start over on the on the proposal for um, disclosures by ESG funds and advisors. So there's actually a lot of concern about the details uh, in these proposals. However, at the same time, I don't get the sense that the SEC has any appetite at all to step back or even slow down. And, and we've seen evidence of that in the in the draft strategic plan for the SEC, which was put out yesterday. And there's a portion of it that, that says, and I quote, today, investors increasingly seek information related to, among other things, issuers, climate risks, cybersecurity, hygiene policies, and their most important asset, their people. In order to catch up to this reality, the agency should continue to update the disclosure framework, and it goes on from there. Right. And so if you're going to put that in a strategic plan, uh, which, of course, has Gary Gensler's imprimatur on it as the chair, this is what they want to do. They, they see it as their mission, and um, they may modify the proposals, but um, they're certainly not going to – I don't think they're – they're going to overhaul them. Gary Gensler does not strike me as the kind of guy who is going to like start over or redo or something, right? He's well, extremely he, confident and and bright, and and he's just going to go for he's made up his mind and he's going to go for what he's what he wants. That's a good political decision because he he doesn't have time to dally. If uh, the Democrats lose the White House. In the 2024 election, there will be a Republican majority SEC, and any ESG regulation that is not final and implemented before the uh, the election, basically, is subject to being overturned by the next right. Republican commission. I mean, they've got to hurry along. And he knows like, that. He knows that. Even at its fastest, the regulatory process from proposal to final rule takes about a year, and then implementation may take a year after that. Right. So uh, so he has to to hurry along. Yeah. Okay, coming up on some final thoughts. I have a question for Mark. What, what do you got? This is a little tongue-in-cheek, but Mark, is it a sign that a proposal or policy is good if nobody likes it, if nobody is happy? <laughs> <laughs> They're actually an aide to a committee, a congressional committee chair once said that that, that chair 
it, during a markup, uh, just, uh, his approach was, if everybody is upset with something, drop the gavel because your, your, your work is done. You're probably at a good place. If both sides don't like it, then, then you're doing the right thing. So um, <laughs> uh, you're right, Emil, that, that can be a, a rubric for deciding what's, what's good policy. Emil, anything else? I, there's one thing I would, I would add that I, I think is just kind of interesting, and it's, it's only somewhat related to this, but on environmental regulation, I think the biggest amendments to the Clean Air Act were both passed under Republican presidents, Nixon and H.W. Uh, yes. And the EPA was established by Nixon, the Nixon administration. Yes. So I, I would just say in, in closing, th this um, anti-woke argument that the, that the uh, Republicans are making, they've included anti-ESG efforts under that umbrella. And, and that's, a, that's a signal that they, they think maybe they're getting political traction with that kind of, of rhetoric. And of course, anti woke. I mean, you know, the woke, the criticism of woke tends to be that it's 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 something that um, liberals and and the elite are uh, are interested in, and they're, and they're sort of putting ESG in the same category. I, I'm not sure how much traction ultimately they'll they'll get on that because, as as Emil pointed out, the um, the polls are showing that that Americans, in fact, are American investors, in fact, are very uh, supportive of in, uh, ESG investing, and and they want their um, their funds and their and their retirement plans to reflect that. So we'll see if the Republicans are their if their political calculations here are, are, are right or wrong. I think we'll get an answer to that certainly uh, during the 2024 election. I'm just staggered that you know Republicans can actually point at BlackRock and UBS, who I like I said earlier are capitalist engines <laughs> in our country and around the world and say, we don't want to, you know, we're upset with you or you're woke or something. That's but, just, that's just staggering to me. Well, the thing to keep in mind about BlackRock though, is that it, it's sort of a, um, like Goldman Sachs, a, a, a pipeline to the, to the government in terms of its own people uh, entering administrations and the tilt with BlackRock tends to be toward Democratic administrations. And certainly Larry Fink is a Democrat, and he's often right. mentioned as a potential Treasury Secretary. Nobody could accuse the Swiss bankers and UBS of the same thing. Well, but what I'm saying is when it comes to BlackRock, uh, Republicans might feel that they're especially on solid ground because BlackRock, at least in their view, is essentially a Democratic company based on its leaders, a democratic firm based on its leaders. I understand. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Final words? Well, I, I just want to say to our listeners who um, uh, read Investment News faithfully, if, if for some reason you're not also uh, subscribing to and receiving ESG Clarity, uh, please do that. Oh, right. Because Emil does a fantastic job of covering these issues and uh, providing an incisive uh, stories uh, about ESG, so uh, you can't do better than uh, than reading Emil uh, regularly. Yeah, I, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. It's for me, it's a tough thing to to keep up with because of all the facets between the regulation and the marketing and the investment uh, fiduciary uh, aspect to the in, in, in making the investments and managing the money and the like. So 
it's it's complicated, and Emil does a great job covering. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate that. You're, you're very welcome. All right, thanks for listening. Launching every Monday. It's the Investment News Podcast. We want to thank our special guests, Mark Sheff and Emil Halle. We also want to thank Angelica Hester, our producer. Find the podcast at investmentnews.com, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Please follow us on Spotify. You can reach out to Jeff Benjamin on Twitter if you want to pepper him with a question or two. His handle is at BenjiWriter. My handle is at BDNewsGuy. Stay tuned. We're taking a week off, but we will be back after Labor Day in early September. And we'll be talking to you then. Thanks very much. Thanks very much.